The thrill and excitement of March Mania is here, and DraftKings Sportsbook, one of America's top-rated sportsbook apps, is giving new customers a shot to turn 5 bucks into $150 instantly in bonus bets with any college basketball bet. You can find all the lines and available odds, of course, at the DraftKings Sportsbook app. North Carolina listeners, don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in your state. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app and use code SBNFL. New customers can bet 5 bucks to get $150 instantly in bonus bonus bets only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code SBNFL. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in West Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 8778-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly on behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction void in Ontario. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. See dkng.com slash bball for eligibility, deposit restrictions, terms, and responsible gaming resources. You're listening to BGN Radio with Brandon Lee Gowton and Jimmy Kemsky. going on everybody this is bgn radio episode number 165 i'm jimmy kempke with me as always brandon lee gowton of leaning green nation how you doing buddy jimmy that was a long yo to start <laughs> the podcast i like it a lot to get to we're in the middle of an eagles coaching search so obviously i'm doing great i want to give out all the plugs at the beginning bleedinggreennation.com for me phillyvoice.com for jimmy kempke uh, follow us on Twitter at Brandon Gowton at Jimmy Kemsky. Check out SB Nation NFL Show. Check out Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, Jimmy, by going to RighteousFelon.com and using discount code BGN15. It was an honor to have Dan Klausner on last week. Also an honor, Jimmy, to be giving away a prize for our contest. You put it out there, you would give an Eagles USB drive to someone who submitted a review, a rating and review on, on Apple Podcasts. Jimmy, are you ready for me to read the winning review? All right, let's hear it. And and I think I think we can prove that it's randomized by <laughs> by the review you're about to read. But go ahead. Subject title is Brandon Lee Gowden, so it's about me. It's from Jay Callahan, or sorry, not. I was thinking I had Joe Callahan on the brand brain. It's a uh, Jay Callan, J C A L L A N eight eight eight. He writes he or she, uh, I don't know. Writes I have never heard someone who knows so little about football try to piece together a false narrative about the Eagles as this guy. It's a disgrace this guy has a job because I've heard better opinions on the Eagles from people on the corner of K and A. So congrats, Jay Callen. You're the big winner of the prize. You can email Jimmy Kemsky. Jimmy, what's your email again? Jimmy at phillyvoice.com. Give me your address and I'll send that bad boy out. And I swear we won't be sending hired goons to your door. <laughs> you, you will only be able to receive a USB port with a little Eagles logo on it. So there you go. What's the corner of K and A, by the way? I don't Actually, know. If, any, if anyone can answer that for us, uh, hashtag corner of K and A. It's, it's tough with the hashtag in the in the or the ampersand in the in the, uh, well, the hashtag. Use the and, break don't, you, type out and A and Yeah. Loaded show here, Jimmy. Uh, now that everyone is tuned out, I mean, is that guy even <laughs> listening or girl even listening? By the way, if they hate me so much, uh, apparently so. Um, first, I want to get into the Carson Wentz stuff. Yes. Because that's the big news. We'll get into obviously the coaching search a little bit later. And then a couple of quick thoughts on the playoffs before we wrap here. But just getting in, Jimmy, on the bombshell, if you want to call it that, Jeff McLean report about Carson Wentz basically 
my big takeaway, the way I'd, I'd frame it, is just a lack of accountability, uh, an organization coddling him, things that aren't necessarily out of the blue, but just were detailed, I think, more thoroughly than we've probably seen thus far. I uh, just kind of wanted to get your take on that report. Yeah, a little more on the uh, rift between Doug and Carson as well. The, the big nugget for me, that or the spiciest nugget uh, in that piece, in my opinion, was that he's just going up to the line and changing plays out of spite when he doesn't like the play call. Whether he, uh, my, the implication I think there was that, you know, whether he thought that, that you know, when he, when he goes kill, kill, whatever the uh, secondary play was, wasn't necessarily the better option for that play when he went up to the line of scrimmage. Like he was just changing those plays out of spite. So that's not good. Like <laughs> You don't want your quarterback doing that. Uh, so that, that was an interesting uh, nugget that he had in there. But uh, yeah, like I said, just sort of the uh, a little more detail on the rift between he and Doug. And, you know, I think when Doug was fired, this wasn't in the report or anything like that. But what I think when Doug was fired, the perception that some people had was that uh, Carson Wentz got him fired. And I don't think that's necessarily the case. But uh, I do think that ultimately the Eagles sort of chose Carson uh, over Doug knowing that those two guys probably couldn't coexist going forward. And certainly the, the, the aspect of Doug wanting to choose his, uh, you know, some, some poor options for his coaching staff uh, with, you know, he wanted to promote, reportedly wanted to promote Press Taylor to offensive coordinator, was interested in hiring uh, Corey Unland uh, back to the team, but in a defensive coordinator role. And Jeffrey Lurie and the gang were like, nah, we're good on all that. So I think that was certainly part of it. But I, again, I do think that the, ultimately, the team did choose Carson over Doug. So my biggest takeaway from the report, Jimmy, um, I agree. I mean, they literally chose Carson over Doug, and just in terms of action. Um, yes. But my biggest takeaway from the report was what I've been saying, what we've been saying here on BGN Radio for a long time now, is that Carson Wentz, a big problem with him is he doesn't take to hard coaching. Like, this isn't a secret. We've said this a long time. A lot of these things, really, that came out from McLean, just not to say um, that Jeff doesn't deserve credit. I, th- I thought he did a great job detailing this stuff. But I'm just saying, like, it reflects, it lines up with, it matches a lot of what was said when I interviewed Joe Santa Liquido mm-hmm. for BGN Radio back in week two, before Carson Wentz was even, like, majorly struggling. Obviously, you know, he had a bad second half of that week one game. But I had planned to talk to Joe anyway about what we talked about like before the season. So like it was it's never been like an agenda thing out to get Carson Wentz. That's not what it's about. It's like this is just the objective out the read of the situation. And it's that Carson Wentz doesn't take the hard coaching. McLean detailed about how uh, like errors would be pointed out in the quarterback room. And Carson Wentz would sometimes make like irrelevant excuses. And Press Taylor wouldn't really mm-hmm. correct him. And it's not really surprising to hear that considering Taylor, like he, he's only, I think, five years or so older than Carson Wentz. Like he's not much older. It's just not that same kind of dynamic of a relationship as it is like a coach and a player as it is kind of more friendly. And I just think that's a problem. I think that's been a big problem. I don't know that, you know, getting a tougher coach fixes everything with Carson Wentz, but I don't know how Carson Wentz gets fixed. Like if he's not taking the harder coaching and, and willing to be coached like that. I just think this idea that like you just can fix Carson Wentz, I think he needs to be willing to fix himself. Like he, he needs to put uh, the work in as well. And when I, you read stuff like this, it's so hard for me, Jimmy, like to believe that that's going to happen. And I've, I've said it time and time again here. 
I feel like I've never been an anti Carson Wentz guy. I feel like even to this moment, I would like to see him like get back on track, but man, I just, I don't have any confidence in that happening after reading this McLean report. Yeah. And getting back to the point where I said they, they chose Carson over Doug, I don't think it's a, you know, I, I think there's still a possibility that they trade him. I just think they are probably realistic at this point that they're not going to get uh, what they deem to be adequate compensation in return if they do deal him. And also all the cap ramifications are going to make that difficult anyway. But there was a report recently by two different people. Uh, I think it was uh, Mike Garofolo of NFL Network and uh, uh, Ian Rappaport also of uh, NFL Network who said that the Eagles were uh, telling coaching candidates that they want Wentz to be uh, the quarterback of their team in 2020. I don't know if that's necessarily the case, but I think they have to be prepared for that likelihood uh, that he's going to be, that they're not going to be able to move him. Your thoughts on that? I mean, they have to maintain that publicly, right? Like if they did want to trade him, if the Eagles did have interest in trading him, they would have to keep that because they're not going to say like they don't want to put themselves in any kind of position where it looks like they'd be willing to move on from Carson Wentz yeah. or don't want him. And especially with the with the dynamic here that Wentz seems to be, you know, pretty like sensitive to this and and everything. Like they they feel it feels like they have to put that out there on the chance that they do want him back because he like his side probably needs to be placated like that at least publicly like oh you know like we're, we're they're going to build this thing around you so i believe there's some level of truth to it but i also think you know it serves a greater purpose than just the face value what about you yeah i, I mean i pretty much agree with that um I, i'll just you know go right back to my point where like they can't just assume they're going to be able to move them because i mean we look at the two like realistic candidates to trade for him and you have the Colts and you have the Patriots and the Colts, uh, again, uh, McLean reporting that I guess he, he spoke with leak sources who believe that, uh, Frank Reich won't have interest in trading for Carson Wentz. So if that's true, Colts are out. Uh, and, uh, also interesting on that front is that, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, uh, of NFL network put out a poll uh, in the wake of Philip Rivers' retirement, uh, giving four different uh, quarterback possibilities this offseason for the Colts. I don't remember off the top of my head what they are. I think one of them was traded for Sam Darnold. One of them was draft Mac Jones. Uh, I can't remember start, the others. But, start but, Jacob Eason. Okay. And uh, notably absent from that poll was trade for Carson Wentz. And then, of course, when he put that out, you know, all the replies are littered with, uh, what about Carson Wentz? And he re- did reply to one of them saying that he feels that, uh, you know, new head coach, new start for Carson Wentz in Philly. So, um, yeah, I mean, there's it's certainly trending in the direction, at least reporting wise, that uh, that Wentz will be back in Philly in 2021. On the Reich thing, uh, the wording from McLean, too, was that it was a source close to Reich. OK. Or at least or someone was familiar with his thinking. And then I have heard that as well. I've before. Like I've, that's been out there. Like I've I've heard similarly. Like that when I I, I just I want to say like that lines up with what I've heard basically. Um, yeah, the thing too, and I remember watching that uh, initial wild card round game between the Colts and the Bills, and I I sort of watched that um, with the with an Eagles perspective in mind, and then I was just waiting to see how Philip Rivers played, and if he didn't play well, and they lost the game as a result of quarterback play, it would maybe push the Colts in the direction of possibly 
you know, being more likely to trade for once. But Rivers actually played pretty well in that game, and uh, they lost anyway. But uh, yeah, it, it didn't kind of go that way uh, in terms of him playing poorly. He actually played pretty well in his final uh, NFL game. I think they should trade for Matt Stafford, by the way. That, that was the other one that was on there. Or, or was it? Yeah. Was it was it Matt Stafford? Uh, it might have been. There's there's been some connections. I think that makes sense. I think they should do that. I think that's just that would be a good move for them. Um, but that's besides the point. Uh, Jimmy, before we get into the latest on the Eagles coaching search, I wanted to talk about the Eagles' old head coach a little bit because yes. uh, Doug Doug Peterson's been in the news a little bit. There was a report that came out over the weekend that uh, he could be in the running for the or the Seahawks have talked to him about their offensive coordinator job. Right. I would kind of love to see that and working with Russell Wilson uh, and. It would kind of make sense for him, too, because there's a path to move up. You know, Pete Carroll's the NFL's oldest head coach. He needs to be 70, 71 this year. So, you know, uh, but it sounds like he will not be taking that job, at least not now, because Doug Peterson texted Les Bowen from the Inquirer that he is leaning towards taking the year off. And I think that's a good move for Doug. I think he should do that. I think he's had to deal with a lot of BS here. And he's under contract for two more years anyway. Now, why not take the year off? And it's a pandemic. Like, why not take the year off, spend some time with your family and, uh, you know, get back to it next year. Um, but I kind of wanted to memorialize Doug a little bit. because I don't think, you know, we did that enough. And I don't, maybe you can't do that enough. I mean, he's your first Super Bowl winning coach in franchise history. Right. So, uh, There's a statue of him outside the stadium. Literally a statue. <laughs> I don't have two guys that aren't with the team anymore. <laughs> yep. That's cool. That's good. Uh, uh, one more thing on the—I just wanted to actually piggyback off the Seattle thing too—is you know the, the other aspect of that that makes sense for Doug is obviously Pete Carroll's a defensive-minded coach, so he would be able to go in there with basically control of the offense if he were to take a job like that. I know some people pointed out that the Seahawks are sort of a run-first organization, and that is certainly not what Doug is. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then also, uh, Doug would have a lot of talent to work with there. You mentioned Russell Wilson, but then of course, um, DK Metcalf, uh, and then you have, uh, Tyler Lockett, who I think is even better than Metcalf, uh, in my opinion. But yeah, th- that, that would be an interesting opportunity for him. But if he's taking the year off, you know, good for him. Relax, chill out for a year, come back and maybe you can even, maybe you can just skip the whole coordinator thing for a year and just come back and be a head coach for somebody in 2022. And, uh, Doug grew up like 90 minutes or so north of, uh, Seattle. So be going back to uh, his roots there. But uh, any good Doug Peterson memories here, Jimmy, that you wanted to share before we not really finally close the book on him, but just thought it'd be, it could be a fun time to share some good Doug memories. Yeah. I mean, there's always the ice cream thing, the ice cream video. Let's go get some ice cream. Let's go get some ice cream. The Eagles put out, but just on a, on a more personal level, like the one fun Doug moment uh, was there was a uh, training camp practice where uh, it was just me and, uh, uh, Jeff McLean standing there. We we're just talking and, uh, prior to practice. And, um, this is pre pandemic. There's another, yeah, I think it was 2019. And Doug just comes strolling over and, uh, he just started. I, I had a Periscope video going at the time. It was live. I was live streaming, you know, the, the beginning of Eagles practice. they like, but there was just basically kind of like the warm up portion of practice. And Doug just came strolling over. And, uh, before he said something like, hold on, Doug, you're just to let you know. You are live streaming right now. And <laughs> there's, uh, so he's like standing behind me and Jeff and I have the video going so he can see what's going on on my screen. And people are asking like some like, you know, like on Periscope, like you can like 
people, the viewers can ask questions. And they heard Doug talking to us. They knew that Doug was there and he was you know, hanging out and talking to us. And there were like some obscene questions that started coming across. And like he could see them on my phone. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, this is not me putting this out. Doug. <laughs> I'm not asking these questions. This is not me. Uh, but that was kind of a funny moment. It was very cool of Doug to just kind of stroll over and, and hang out and talk to us uh, while we were, uh, while I was, uh, you know, filming a Periscope video. Wasn't it like really, it was just like a genuine conversation too, right? Yeah, you just like talking to you guys. Yeah, shooting the ass with us. Yeah. So I just think that's, I always think about that. It just, that's like who Doug was. Just like genuine guy, good guy. Um, not that anyone, I think, had doubts about that, but, um, but kind of sad, you know, that he's gone when you think about stuff like that. Cause it's like, man, like this is a guy who won the Super Bowl and was a solid dude and like got fired and like that sucks. <laughs> and the owner said he didn't deserve it. Um, but one of the memories I think of Doug about with Doug, Jimmy, is when there was another training camp moment when, and I think it was his first year, it was in 2016. Derek Boyko was still the Eagles uh, PR director. And, uh, you know, usually for those who don't know, in a press conference setting, we're all sitting down oh, in these, I know where you're going, yeah. <laughs> these lawn chairs and you're kind of, you know, you're sitting there and Doug Peterson by himself with no one around him, you know, like at all. Yeah, he's um, just sitting up at the, at the, at the yeah, lectern. At, at the podium. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And he, or the lectern, and he's talking there. And uh, so one guy, I forget the outlet. It was draft something. He had a big he, advertisement on his microphone. Yeah, he, you know, it wasn't someone draft who was there. Draft Bible or something like that. Something it was I, draft something. I have a picture. I have a screenshot somewhere, but it's not on. I don't have it on this computer I'm using. Um. Anyway, uh, so this guy is like holding the microphone that he has, like, and it's a short microphone too. It's not even like one of those super long ones that you see on like TV. It was like a short one, and he's like holding it like in Doug's face as he's doing like a press conference right after like a grueling training camp practice. So he's like tired and like sweaty and like, and Doug is looking at him like, (laughs) it didn't even look like he was mad to me. Like he was like earnestly looking at him like respectfully, like where so many head coaches, if you did that to them, would be like, what are you doing? Like sit down, like get away from me. And this guy was like in his face and Doug was just like so patient about it and like acted if it was normal. Like, I just love that kind of stuff from Doug. Like, just like the, like the the ego less stuff from him. Just no ego at all. If that had happened in the subsequent season, he would have known that that was not that yes. was not right. Like, he would have realized that was weird, and he would have told that guy to sit down. But this guy, yeah. like, if I can piggyback off of that one too, so that the microphone that this guy was holding up, uh, it didn't even it didn't have a battery pack on it, which means like it wouldn't work. It would be it would be doing nothing. It was just dead. Uh, and, and then you can also have like one that has a cord that comes out of it. It didn't have a cord either. So this was not even a hot mic. Like there's, he was, this guy was recording nothing. He just had a, a, like a, basically like a toy microphone up in his face that had like a, you know, the big draft or whatever logo, whatever this guy's website was. He just purposely had that in the shot, I believe for advertising purposes. And then also later I was telling that story one time. Uh, so remember when the, when, the Eagles played uh, in Seattle in 2017, and the following week they played in L.A. Well, that whole week, all the beats kind of stayed out on the West Coast because so did the Eagles. So we were covering yeah. practices all week, and they had like we they they were practicing at uh, the um, the, the Anaheim Angels yeah. uh, Stadium. So it was a weird setup there in terms of like press conferences and whatever. And there was I was telling that microphone story to the room. And I didn't know that I was on camera. <laughs> I was like, 
because <laughs> they had the camera live for that you couldn't hear anything that any of us were saying but they had like you could see like the video feed and i'm up like near the, the lectern again and i'm like i'm like i have all these hand motions i'm miming like what this guy was doing and i was showing like how the microphone didn't have the battery pack or the cord and people were like tweeting at me like what are you doing <laughs> what what's going on there <laughs> and like i guess i was laughing when i was showing when i was showing it too the other thing i want to tell too about doug is uh after the eagles won the super bowl uh i don't know if it's okay to say this or not i think it's fine i think it's i think it's out there already but he lives that's in a good way to start let's hear it <laughs> he well he lives in morristown new jersey so um morristown after the eagles won the super bowl named i don't know what day it was but they whatever day it was they named it doug peterson day not the day they won the Super Bowl, but just some random day. I think it was in, like in February. Oh, it was February. Okay. Uh, but they named it Doug Peterson Day. And uh, I wrote a story on it. And I actually tried to – I did contact uh, the mayor of Moorestown. And uh, <laughs> I talked to her for a while. And she told me – she corrected me that, like, that was not Doug Peterson Day in Moorestown forever. It was just that one year. It's just one year that it was Doug Peterson Day. In 2017, whatever day it was, that was Doug Peterson Day, and then it was never Doug Peterson Day again. And I was like, really? Why wouldn't you just make it Doug Peterson Day, like, forever? He won the super, first Super Bowl ever in Eagles history. Like, is, are you saving that random day in February or March or whatever it was for, like, some other – just keep it Doug Peterson Day. She was adamant, like, no, it's just one day in 2017 and then never again. So I guess the next time um, – I had just a random conversation with Doug. I told him that. <laughs> I don't know why I would tell him that. Disappoint him. I didn't know he was going to be disappointed by it, but he seemed like legitimately bummed out that it wasn't always going to be Doug Peterson Day going forward. Poor Doug. That's pretty disappointing. I mean, that's what are you what are you doing, Morristown? Um, it's terrible. Just keep it Doug Peterson Day, like every year. Why not? Yeah, why not? Doug Doug is great. I'm going to miss him. Um, I'm sure you know the the new head coach will have quirks and whatever or. Maybe they'll be terrible. I don't know. Who knows? We'll see. But we'll get into more of that, uh, Jimmy, after the break. But before we do, I want to tell you about Righteous Felon Craft Jerky, which obviously, you know, we had Dan Klausner on last week. Some people liked his appearance. Some people maybe didn't. I didn't hear from them, but I don't know. They could be out there. But some yeah, I people. Think, uh, people were very, uh, I think people were very complimentary of, uh, Dan, of Dan's appearance last week. As they should be. I thought he gave us good insight. And if you like Dan and you want to support him and the company that he works for, you can go to rightsofselling.com. You can use discount code BGN15. That's BGN15 to get 15% off at checkout. I mean, they have a bunch of great products. They have the newly named Truffalo Soldier Jerky and a lot of other meat snacks and whatnot. So uh, go check it out. I think it's cool. And you can get a discount. So it's really a win-win-win. You're supporting BTN Radio, supporting a local business. Uh, do it. Jimmy? Back after this. Back here on BGN Radio episode 165. Jimmy, it's time to get into the Eagles head coaching search updates. Because last week we kind of did a uh, yes, please, meh, GTFO on the candidates that were mentioned at the time, but there have been a lot of more names that have come up in that time, <laughs> including the number one guy on the list who's been getting a lot of buzz. Then it kind of cooled off. Josh McDaniels, Jimmy. Bo Wolf breaking that story, by the way, that he was interviewing with, uh, with the Eagles. Good for Bo. Yeah, a lot of buzz on him. I think uh, a lot of reporters sort of, myself included, um, sort of saying that 
he uh, is the front runner, uh, or at least was the front runner, as you mentioned, uh, is kind of cooled off. I don't think uh, he is out of contention by any means. I think he's very much still in contention. Haven't gotten much information on him over the last day or two. But, um, yeah, I think he's a legit candidate. But for me, he's a GTFOH. Like, I mean, like, so I think it, on the theme where we spoke earlier about the Eagles are bracing for Carson Wentz to come back or they want him to come back or whatever it is, he's probably going to be back in 2021. I think McDaniels makes sense as the guy that can salvage Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz, and is willing to do some of the dirty work in terms of hard coaching uh, to get him back to where he needs to be. Obviously, he doesn't like hard coaching, but he also had his best seasons in the NFL when he did get coached hard by John DeFilippo, notably. Uh, so, uh, you know, Josh McDaniels showed uh, <laughs> when he was a head coach in Denver that uh, he was not afraid to get in players' asses, uh, so to speak. Like, if, you have, if you've seen videos of him coaching players, I mean, it's like you think he's crazy. And, I mean, that's the downside of him, too, is that he had, like he was an egomaniac, like lunatic in his first head coaching stint in Denver. They actually got out to like a 6-0 and start his mm-hmm. uh, first season there. And then they finished that season 8-8, eight and eight, meaning they went 2-6 and six the rest of the way. And then uh, uh, I forget what, his, what the record – I want to say they were 3-9 and nine, uh, his second season when they fired him with four games to go. And, I mean, like as soon as he got there, like he just started clashing with people left and right. Jay Cutler notably traded him to the Bears for Kyle Orton and a, and a pick or two. Uh, they got rid of like Brandon, Brandon Marshall was like one of the best receivers in the NFL at that time. Like he had like three or four straight thousand plus yard seasons. Like he was kind of like, I would equate him to like, uh, like a Mike Evans, like his kind of production and mm-hmm. the same type of player as him, I guess. Uh, like that's how good he was at that time. And they just, he's gone. They traded him for nothing. Uh, I think their tight end at the time really clashed with him. And then their defensive coordinator, uh, Mike Nolan recently fired, uh, by the, by the Cowboys, uh, he left the team after the first year of McDaniels. He's just like, I'm out of here. So, like, you know, on the one hand, he's not afraid to uh, clash with uh, players uh, on, on on his roster, and uh, maybe that can do some good with Carson Wentz, but I think the downside far outweighs the upside with that guy. He even clashed with the long snapper, Jimmy, who I think oh, was like he? a John Dornboss <laughs> type, you know, at the time okay. like a guy had been around, and they, like, cut him. And they brought in, like, I think, like, the second highest paid long snapper after that. So, like, just really a lot of bad stuff went on there. Uh, it's kind of funny how people have talked about him to me in terms of, like, getting a bigger role in personnel would be good because then Howie wouldn't have as much. And I understand, like, the sentiment behind that in terms of not wanting Howie to have all the power. But first of all, I just don't think that's going to happen. And second of all, why is that better? Josh McDaniels was terrible with personnel. He <laughs> traded up for Tim Tebow. He traded three picks to get Tim Tebow. Like, that's oh, I didn't realize he tra- oh, that's right. He did trade up for him. Exactly. I know he was a first-round pick, obviously. I didn't really, I forgot that they traded up for him, too. That's and funny. The quarterbacks that he had there, like, this, these are the quarterbacks he, he identified. Tim Tebow, Kyle Orton. Like, these are the guys, like, he wanted. Like, so, no. I, I, Josh McDaniels, um, I, I think it's interesting – I will say it's worth interviewing him. It's worth interviewing basically sure. anyone. Like I'm not against like that's a whole different conversation. But as a side point, like I get people are kind of being like, "Well, the Eagles are interviewing everyone." I don't think there's a problem with that. 
you want to get as much information as you can. Now, I think it's also fair to wonder, like, do they have a plan? I don't know. Like, I, I think it's fair to like question that. But in any case, on McDaniel's, the one word I would use to describe how I feel about that, Jimmy, is skeptical. Like, how could you not be between the Denver stuff? Between the cheating thing, you didn't even mention that he was yeah, literally right. like cheating. Yeah, we're, not, we're not talking about New England, by the way. Like cheating in Denver, they, they, in Denver. they allegedly. Actually, I don't even think it was allegedly. Like they got caught, like pretty red-handed, uh, filming a 49ers walkthrough. I think it was a 49ers walkthrough uh, prior to a game in London. So I think they saw an opportunity to cheat because it was like <laughs> it was like operations that were overseas and like not. Uh, and I and they videotaped their walkthrough and they got caught and like uh, McDaniel's gave like some kind of half-hearted I didn't see it like I didn't I didn't dig hard to, to find this but evidently he gave like some kind of half-hearted BS apology where like you, you could just totally tell that he meant not a single word of what he was saying and actually he was fired very shortly thereafter that so like a lot of people that cover the Broncos thought that of course you know the record you know he was five and seventeen after that 6-0 and start, and that certainly played a part in his firing, as did the personnel decisions. But they really thought that the cheating and the lack of uh, care about being caught cheating had as much to do with his firing as the other stuff. And I mean, like, when you look at the how the Patriots have ranked offensively, I mean, not, you can't argue with the results now. They've had Tom Brady, so that's kind of a factor, and he seems to be doing okay down in Tampa and a different coaching system and environment. So it's hard to parse. It's also, I mean, he deserves some level of credit for that. I would say uh, it's just, it's weird to me. It's, it's a weird, it would be, it seems like it's such a tough sell. And apparently reports are like that. Jeffrey Lurie isn't sold on it. That Howie Roseman likes it, but Lurie isn't the one uh, who loves that. So I think that's interesting. Also think it's interesting that uh, that makes sense potentially though, because Howie Roseman is, was college roommates with Jed Fish who was the Patriots quarterback coach last year. So I'm guessing that's like part of where that came from. Maybe Jed Fish was like, hey, you know, Josh McDaniels, he's a different guy now. He's changed. He's, he's matured. It's been, what, like 11 years or so or he more. He was 32 when he got that Denver job. And he's, I think, 44 now. Yeah, so, so there's been some time. Maybe he is different. But, man, I just – and maybe – in a way, Jimmy, it actually is good to take that like risk on someone so volatile because it's either like this is either going to work out really well right. and it's going to totally going to defy expectation and actually he is an offensive genius and he's going to get this team back on track or it's just going to blow up and it's become it's going to become more apparent that they just need to clean house. Like right, and and you know you're already going to be bad in 2021 at a minimum anyway. But you already know that the, like 2021 is going to be a lost season. So like you, if you find like if if you if you take like a boomer bus guy like him, like you said, you know quickly whether uh, he's going to be a disaster. Uh, maybe not as quickly if he's going to be if he's going to be good. The one thing I'll also add too is like his offensive schemes are legit. Like we saw him own the Eagles in the Super Bowl, of course, and he does a lot of stuff with uh, pre snap motion. Uh, gives his quarterbacks the opportunity to um, makes it easy on them anyway to identify what kind of defense uh you know the opposing defense is in um and the one year that i think really kind of stands out as sort of um the the best argument for him is the year that brady got hurt where matt castle came in and they didn't i mean they weren't as good obviously offensively but they didn't they weren't it wasn't like drop off wasn't wasn't crazy like they missed the playoffs that year but I think they would they go like eleven and five that year. So it was a weird year where they had a yeah. good record, but they didn't get in. So um, 
yeah, I think you can point to that season as, as you know, as you know, sort of an accomplishment of his. But again, I just can't get past all the craziness that, <laughs> that happened with him uh, his first time around in Denver. And as you noted, like he was young. I was certainly an idiot ten, you know, more than 10 years ago. I could never and <laughs> I still am. Yeah. So like, uh, I get it, but, uh, yeah, just the risk there is, is extremely high with a guy like that. And oh, I one, other thing, one other quick thing too. You mentioned that, like, I would think that like Howie would not want a guy like him in there if he's going to potentially, uh, you know, take away some of my power and how much would, how much power would Howie cede to him if, uh, if they did hire, how much would how much power would he be willing to to give up to to bring in a, a guy like McDaniel's in? And I mean, I don't think how he wants to give up anything personally, but like uh, he'd certainly have to give up something to, to 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 bring in a guy like him. Or certainly McDaniel's would want more of a say than 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 a Doug Peterson for sure would, and and probably some of the other candidates that, they, that they've brought in. And we went through all that, and we didn't even mention him backing out of the Colts' job. The Colts oh, yeah. yeah I mean, that, that's even yeah, – right. It's probably the biggest red flag of all. You're right. I mean, that was, yeah, all, that was two years ago. It was. And, you know, Bob Lamont, who you know represents Andy Reid, really respected – one of the like, most respected agents there ha- is, I would think, especially in the coaching world, like dropped him. Three years <laughs> like, ago. Sorry, three years ago. Oh, did he? I didn't, I didn't know that. He, he yeah, like, yeah, because he's like, this is embarrassing. And he, he came out and said <laughs> it. He was like, this is really embarrassing. So, <laughs> yeah. uh, yikes. Um, but w- staying with the Colts, moving off Josh McDaniels, Nick Sirianni, Jimmy, came up yesterday. And I thought just kind of interesting that, you know, there was all this McDaniels buzz. And then all of a sudden, more names are coming in. I right. thought, like, I woke up Tuesday thinking they might hire Josh McDaniels just based on all the buzz we heard. Um, publicly and then behind the scenes, it just seemed like this thing could happen like soon. Um, but then all these other candidates came in. Um, so yeah, I'm also a GTFO on Josh McDaniels, by the way. But uh, where are you at on a Nick Sirianni? Yes, please, please meh or GTFO? I didn't know anything about him. Like when that name came across, I was like, uh, okay, I gotta research him. I didn't know anything about him at all. Like I didn't didn't know he, didn't even know it existed. And um, uh, after taking a look, you know, he didn't call plays. Uh, in Indianapolis, obviously, that uh, those duties went to Frank Reich. Uh, of course, when Frank Reich was with the Eagles, he didn't call plays. He became the head coach of the Colts and has some level of success there now. So, you know, not necessarily a killer. My understanding about him, or at least what I've read about him, is that, uh, you know, he is a confident coach. Uh, what I do like about him, and I, this, is the, this may be not a great example because this is what I liked about Adam Gase when he was under consideration for the Eagles back in 2016 was that he had extensive experience, uh, not only as an offensive coordinator, but also as a quarterback's coach and a wide receivers coach, which is what Sirianni has. Obviously the Eagles can use all the help they can get with uh, their wide receiving core, which is young, uh, which has not reached its potential and might also be adding a few, uh, one or two more young receivers in this upcoming draft. Uh, so that's an important position for the Eagles to finally get right. They haven't had it right in a long time. And then, of course, the quarterback position, um, always important, but uh, especially with the Eagles this offseason. So I think he's a guy that makes a lot of sense. I don't know if he – I'm torn. I'm somewhere between yes, please, and meh. But I'm leaning toward yes, please on him. I would go a yes, please. I watched some of his interviews and just some of his videos, uh, coaching players that like the Colts put out. And it's funny, like even his cadence or like something about his demeanor reminds me of Frank Reich. Like maybe okay. that's why they get along because they're kind of similar guys. Like 
just seemed kind of more of that kind of vibe, like a friendlier kind of guy. Like he doesn't seem like super intense. That doesn't mean I think he can't get on players. I don't know. I'm just saying like he kind of has like a kind of a, a calmer vibe, um, looser vibe. You know, looking at what the Colts have done offensively, you know, they've been pretty solid for a team that has had a lot of quarterback turmoil in terms of losing Andrew Luck, having to go with Jacoby Brissett unexpectedly 2019. Then you bring in a 38-year-old Phil Rivers who ended up being, you know, a season away from retiring. So, you know, you look at the, what they've done offensively, there's reason to be encouraged there. Um, I think you made a good point about the background, quarterback coach, wide receiver coach and whatnot. Uh, I think all that is legitimate. And then, uh, yeah, so I, I'm probably – I lean towards a yes, please on that, especially just compared um, with who else is out there. Yeah. I have a Twitter recommendation. Uh, Sal Capaccio is at Sal Sports. Uh, he is a Buffalo Bills beat writer. He is close with the uh, Sirianni family. So I think if uh, something breaks on, on Sirianni, that guy is a potential – uh, newsbreaker on that one. One last point on Sirianni. 2016, Jimmy. The Eagles probably realized they wished they could have Andy Reid back, but they can't get him. He's working for the Chiefs, so they hired Doug Peterson, the next closest thing. 2021. The Eagles would probably like to have Frank Reich back if they could. They can't get him, so they hire Nick Sirianni. I totally can see this organization doing that. Um, All right, next up, Kellen Moore. Kellen Moore. Uh, I'm a yes, please on this one. I know a lot of people... Don't love the idea of hiring someone from the Cowboys. Former yeah, Cowboys. Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. Former <laughs> Cowboys typically don't do well here, but I think there's reason to be encouraged with Kellen Moore. When you look at how that offense evolved from when Scott Linehan, you know, was the play caller, mm -hmm. they were 24th in DVOA in 2018. And then all of a sudden uh, they bump up to second in 2019. And then, you know, before Dak got hurt this season, they were averaging 32.6 points per game. So, mm -hmm. There's, there's offensive success here. And look, you know, the talent has been good too. So that's a factor. But I think the way Dak has kind of evolved, I think Kellen Moore deserves some level of credit for that. And now, you know, he's young and you, there's the question to be answered about his leadership ability and all of that. I, I, I don't doubt that. But I think, you know, give it a couple more years here or even one more year, maybe. And Kellen Moore is going to continue to get this buzz. And it's like, do you want to be the team that misses out on him? So I'm a yes, please. What about you? Sixth in points in uh, 2019. Uh, number one in yards, uh, Cowboys offense in 2019. Uh, second in DVOA. This year, they were 17th in points, 14th in yards. Uh, despite being you know, handicapped by injuries to Dak, to Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins, Zach Martin. They lose Andy Dalton. Frederick to, to retiring to retirement. Uh, Andy Dalton gets hurt at some point during that season. They're playing guys like, uh, oh man, I already forgot his name. Garrett uh, Gilbert and Ben Danucci. Ben Danucci, right. So, I mean, for them to be average offensively after that mountain of losses, including their, uh, you know, a quarterback who, in my opinion, is borderline top 10 uh, NFL starter, is pretty remarkable. And I'm with you. Like, ew, yucky Cowboys. I get it. But. I think he's a legitimately good coach. So I'm a yes, please, on Kellen Moore. Uh, two more here. Dennis Allen came into the mix late. Um, I think the Eagles are interviewing him today when we're recording this Wednesday, January 20th. Uh, really good defensive coordinator, better than I realized. When you look mm -hmm. at how his defenses have ranked, even going back to when the, he, he worked for the Denver Broncos for one year before he got the Raiders job, like he's he's had some really good defenses as a defensive coordinator. Of course, 
He did not have success when he was younger as a head coach and went eight and 28 uh, with the Raiders. Now, you know, the quarterbacks there weren't amazing at the time. Carson Palmer, although Palmer did go on to be better with the Cardinals. And then he had Terrell Pryor, Matt McGloin, the the Matt McGloin, Jimmy, right. yeah. was starting games for them. Uh, and then a rookie, Derek Carr, was in there before he got fired. So not the best talent there, but I'm a, I guess I'm a, I'm not, I guess I'm a meh on that. Yeah, I'm uh, somewhere between Matt and GTFOH. I think he's fine, like fine as a defensive coordinator. And I know that like uh, a lot of people, uh, a popular thing to say on Twitter by some of these national guys, oh, this guy's ready. It's, it's his tie. He can do it. He can be the head coach. I don't know. Uh, it'd be kind of a boring hire to me, in my opinion. Um, but you're right. Like he had like the last four years in particular, th- those Saints teams were always just so dominant offensively but they could just never get their you know they just never get it together defensively and he changed that over like the last four years or so so like i do think he's a legitimate uh de- defensive coach mm-hmm. and of course when he took that denver job that you alluded to that was 2011 and the eagles were in on him uh like they interviewed him for the defensive coordinator job he took the denver job I don't know if the Eagles made an offer or if they wanted him, but they, whatever the case, he went elsewhere and the Eagles hired Juan Castillo to be their defensive <laughs> coordinator. So uh, the De- Denver got the better of that deal on that one. Uh, but yeah, he, he's a guy that I think he's fine, whatever. But uh, I, it, I, I don't know. Like if, if I were hiring, I'd be disappointed if, uh, if I hired him and I saw the Chargers get Brandon Staley. Like I, I like Brandon Staley is, is in yes. my opinion, like a much better candidate than, uh, than Dennis Allen. So that'd be sort of, I got like the lesser of the, uh, defensive minded and brought Robert Salah too. I'd take him in mm-hmm. a heartbeat, uh, over a Dennis Allen too. So he'd be sort of like the, 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 the least, uh, desirable of the, you know, defensive minded, uh, head coaching candidates in this cycle. I agree with that. And it would, to me, something I missed is that it would totally depend on what his plan is for offense, right? Like, I don't, what is it? You know, like, yeah, is he gonna, right. like that, it totally depends if he, if he, he has a around great enough. So I'm sorry to cut you off, but like, you look at like yeah. Doug Peterson, for example, like he's only coached for the Eagles and for the Chiefs under Andy Reid. So like, he hasn't been around much and to expect him to have like this Rolodex of, you know, all these uh, coaching contacts across the league was probably, uh you know, not realistic, but the, Dennis Allen's a guy that's been with the, the Saints, the Raiders, the Broncos, uh, had a, a few jobs like as a as an assistant uh, in other places uh, and, and college ranks. So like he's a guy that's been around uh, a little bit more than a guy like a Peterson or a Deuce Staley or uh, whoever. So he's not a guy that he's a guy that could bring ideas to the table in that regard. Yeah, if he has a killer offensive plan, then all right. Then like I'm I'm more intrigued, but we just don't know. So the last one, and it doesn't even necessarily say that the Eagles are interviewing him. It said they're interested in interviewing him. It's Cowboys special teams coordinator. It's Jim. No, John. Fa- Wait, it's Jim, Jim Fassel. Fassel was Jim Fossil was the head coach of the Giants okay. uh, back in the day. Uh, this is John yeah. Fossil. Bones, they call him because he's really skinny. Okay. Yes, actually, yeah. so is Dennis Allen. Okay. You, I'm sure you saw pictures of I him as you uh, were. He looks like looking. Martin Frank. <laughs> he does look like Martin That's Frank. That's what Les Bowen said. Yeah. The great Martin Frank, yes. Uh, John Fossil is a boogie boarder. Uh, as we, uh, did you read the ESPN story where he saved somebody's life uh, in the Pacific Ocean? He was out boogie boarding 
and he and another surfer saw a guy getting carried out in a riptide. He was flailing around, looked like he was in big trouble, and they got him back to shore. Uh, I can't respect anyone who is a boogie boarder to be uh, a leader of men. I am uh, an elitist surfer in that regard, and I look down on you peasant boogie boarders. And that's my uh, take. Think, that's my take on that for the day. I think that's a fair point. I would say um, <laughs> it's worth interviewing him in the sense of he's had some good special teams coordinators, probably or units. He's probably been one of the better in the league. He's done like a lot of trick play kind of special team stuff that's worked out um, in the past. So uh, he, he hey he coordinated that weird onside uh, intention after onside punt thing the Cowboys did and almost recovered. After they took a safety when they played the Eagles this year, you know, so he's well. They have that weird that, that they had that weird one at the end of the Falcons game too. Remember that's that weird right. kick that? Uh, yeah. Who was who was that kicker again? Oh, uh, Legatron. Yeah. Where they he spun it and the ball mm-hmm. just kind of, like the, the other team was afraid to touch it because it was spinning so weird. And <laughs> with ten yards, the Cowboys jumped on it. Uh huh. So the weirdest plays of the year. So he's done some creative stuff. It's probably worth talking to that guy and kind of picking his brain and, and whatnot. Uh, he actually has some head coaching experience, too. He was the Rams interim head coach when Jeff Fisher got fired. And then he was like a uh, head coach for a couple of years in college for like a D2 school. So totally think it's worth interviewing him. But, you know, I don't think anyone's going to exactly be excited um, about that hire. Two more things I had before, before we you move on for John Fossil. Uh, I can report that the Eagles did not interview him. Mm-hmm. Nor are they going to interview him. The Eagles okay. shot that report down privately, but uh, yeah, that that, okay. that was an, that was an erroneous report. But you know, okay. I figured we'd just talk about him anyway. Why not? Two interesting things I had. Howard Eskin says it's either likely Josh McDaniels or Deuce Staley, and he said that players are texting Jeffrey Lurie in support of Deuce Staley. But mm-hmm. then Jeff McLean said he would be very surprised if the Eagles hired Deuce Staley. So adjust your expectations accordingly. And another little interesting thing here that came out right before we recorded this podcast on Wednesday evening, yep. the Eagles blocked an interview for Dave Phipp from the Lions, who just hired Dan Campbell to be their head coach. And Phipp and Campbell overlapped for two years when they were on the Miami Dolphins coaching staff. So I think that's a little interesting, Jimmy. And my take on that, um, in part, is like, or one of the reasons I think it's interesting is because Phipp staying as special teams coordinator was mentioned among those Doug uninspiring coaching changes. <laughs> right. So I think that's a little interesting that that's out there. Um, not to say that there were other, you know, obvious issues with Doug's proposed changes that were rumored and uh, the Eagles blocking uh, FIP doesn't necessarily guarantee he's going to be gone. Right. I would, I would say just because like the new head coach could come in and say, I want I want a new guy. And uh, same kind of thing with Jeff Stoutland. Like apparently Doug Marone's taking the Alabama offensive line coaching job. And I would think the Eagles want Jeff Stoutland back, but who's to say a new coach isn't going to come in and say he has his own ideas. So uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah. So I have several thoughts on the day fit situation. Uh, I agree with you that it doesn't necessarily mean that he's back. I think, you know, as you said, they just want to give the, uh, who are the head coaches going to be the opportunity to keep him or not, which kind of stinks for fit, by the way. Like yes. if they do eventually hire somebody and they're like, yeah, I want my own guy. And now Phipps just jobless because you didn't let him take that opportunity. So like it stinks for him. But, uh, Anyway, uh, I wanted to just talk about like one of the things that I think Chip Kelly got right in his failed tenure in Philadelphia was that he really prioritized special teams and he worked on it a ton uh, in practice. They did they they repped it like over and over. You remember those practices like how fast paced they were? They go from offense to special teams to defense to 
you know, individuals or whatever. They just kept moving and moving. There'd be like, what do they call them? Cycles or was it chapters or phase? Phase. It'd be like, like you'd hear on the speaker, phase 23 special teams. And like, you know, uh, but they work, they have like full, like five or six different special teams uh, sessions per practice. And they really wrapped it a lot. They brought in like uh, personnel, uh, like, like, uh, Brian Brayman, for example, Chris Maragos. Uh, Chris Maragos. Like they brought in some like you know heavy hitter special teams guys, and they were their special teams were really good uh, during the chip years, and then even the first year of Doug, maybe they had some residual carryover uh, in 2016. Their, their special teams were good, and then they you know it started to fall apart a little bit from the, you know there on after from 2017, 2018, 2019. Then they stunk on special teams this year. Actually, did you see? So there, there were 22nd, I think, in DVOA. Did you see Pro Football Focus had them as the third, <laughs> third best special teams? You know, they get no. out of here. Like, they, the special teams, I want to say they cost them the Cardinals it game. Did. It did. But they certainly didn't help. <laughs> like, yeah. if, the, if they just probably had, like, a normal special teams day that day, they they probably won that game. Like, I mean, the biggest play, obviously, was the, the blocked punt that they gave up in that game. I don't know. Do they win the division if if they win that game? I don't know. Probably wouldn't be good if they did. But uh, anyway, they the special teams were bad this year. And but I guess the point that I'm getting at here is I don't know that it's all on FIP as much as it might be a deep prioritization on the special teams in general, both in terms of uh, practice time and also the players that they've brought in uh, over the last four or five years. I hear that, and I think that's fair. I would still say it feels like it's been too long since special teams has been a strength. Mm-hmm. And I think you look at like Rager not developing as a punt returner. There, I think there are things here that still do work. Like that's fair. Like, that like FIP could reasonably be fired for. We'll get into a little bit here after the final break, Jimmy. But why don't you tell me first about Kristen Roach from Roach Realtors? <laughs> Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Roach Realtors, Kristen Roach of Roach Realtors, she's the greatest, 856-906-9295, Back here on BGN Radio episode 165 for a final segment. Just a couple quick thoughts, Jimmy, I wanted to get to on the NFC Championship game and the AFC Championship game, if you care about that. Uh, talking more national topics on the SB Nation NFL show on Tuesdays with Rob Stats Guerrera on the off-day debrief. I call it the Oddcast because that's a more fun name. But the Bucks and the Packers, Jimmy, how are you feeling about the NFC Championship game? I am uh, sad to admit Uh-oh. that the, the Buccaneers are good. Like they're actually very. Are good. they though? Yeah, I think they are. I think they're Who've they team. beaten, Jimmy? They've beaten the Washington Football Team with oh, yeah. Taylor okay. Haneke, and they beat the corpse of Drew Brees, who shouldn't be playing anymore. I think they handled the Saints pretty easily for as good as the Saints are otherwise too. Mm-hmm. I mean, they Saints had some guys missing too. Like they lose in the playoffs every year, Jimmy. They're choking. They're always but they don't lose like that. Like they 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 choke at the end of games. They don't they, like. I mean, that, <laughs> midway through the fourth quarter, it's like, oh, this is over. Uh, I think they're I think they're a good team. Sorry, but Brady's playing well. Uh, mm-hmm. I like the one-two combo of Ronald Jones and. Uh, Leonard Fournette, yeah. I think they complement each other well. And then those receivers, obviously, man, like Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, 
and uh, Antonio Brown. And then even like the, uh, who's the little slot guy? Scotty Miller? Anyway. Um, and then Cameron Brait and Gronk, of course, the tight ends. And their offensive line is really good. Like uh, Tristan Wirfs is a, a very good right tackle. Um, uh, I forget who their, their left tackle is. Donovan Smith. And he's, he's kind of come along a shaky start to his career, but he's come along. I, I like I like their offense a lot. I mean, I don't like I don't like I don't like Tom Brady at all personally. <laughs> like I think he's a pretty reprehensible figure in a, in a lot of ways. But uh, I, uh, I I think their offense is very good. But Packers in Green Bay in January. Rodgers plays well in the cold. He's a California guy, much like Tom Brady is. But he play, he's played well. In, Tom Brady's played well in the cold too. Uh, with with New England, of course. I actually thought the Packers were praying that the Saints would win that game because Drew Brees in the cold would not go well, I don't think, and uh, it didn't pan out so well for the Packers. But uh, I do think the Packers are going to win this game just because I think they're overall the better team. The thing that would concern me would be the Packers' run defense, which, I mean, we all saw last year in the NFC Championship game where the 49ers just ran all over them. Uh, like they were, I don't know, Prairie View against Nebraska in the 1990s. Uh, so like that would be the one concern. But I just think that Rodgers right now uh, is is the best player in the world, even better than uh, Patrick Mahomes this season anyway. Um, and I, I think that they're it's just kind of their year. Uh, but again, like I said, that Bucks team is good. And their Bucks defense too. Like, did you watch Devin White in that game? How could that, he not? He was everywhere. That dude is everywhere. Antoine Winfield, the rookie safety, is good. Pass rush leaves a little bit desired, but they do get home. So I don't know. I I I I just think the Packers are the best team in the conference, and they're home, obviously. And the cold is going to work in their advantage. <sighs> great game. Like it's a, it's a it's a great, it's a great matchup. I just want to point out here that the Packers have made it to the NFC Championship game twice in two seasons under Matt LaFleur after only making it four times in 13 seasons out of Mike McCarthy. So did Mike McCarthy waste Aaron Rodgers' career? The answer is yes. Um, <laughs> also, I just wanted to say that uh, – if you now, if you listen to the podcast this week, you're, bear with me because I'm just basically repeating what I already said on there. But I think Darius Smith has been like a crazy underrated signing yes. in the NFL. I mean, this guy – it's 29 sacks in 35 games since the Packers have signed him. Like, that's nuts. Like, he's been really good. And uh, so I know we all want to talk about Rodgers, as we should. I mean, he's amazing. But, like, Zedarius Smith's pretty awesome, too. And I think he's going to be able to get home to Brady, cause some problems. Uh, I like the Packers to win this game. I think you kind of said it in there. It's like, this has just been their year. This has been the year of Rodgers. Like, this is this is him. Like, I remember watching the Rodgers play in Week 17 last year against the Lions when the Packers, like, needed to win that game. To get the one seed or uh, or the first round bye. I'm sorry. I think it was Same yeah, thing. the first round bye. Um, no, it was different at the time because they had to go to San Francisco last year. Oh, okay. But, right, but, okay. but anyway, um, they need, the point is they needed to win the game. And Rodgers looked terrible. And they were playing the Lions, who were, like, banged up and had nothing to play for at the end of the season. Like, he was just missing passes. Like, like guys were wide open. He was just, like, overthrowing them. And I was like, man, is, like, is Rodgers, like, cooked? Is he done? And he's not, clearly. But uh, but yeah, so I think the Packers are going to win. And then flipping it to the AFC Championship game. I'm going to take the Bills, Jimmy. I know Patrick Mahomes. I think he was a full participant in Wednesday's practice. It seems like he's going to play. Well, I don't see, care. I didn't, know, I didn't know he had cleared. 
Uh, oh, I don't think he's been cleared officially, but like he was, he was listed as a full participant. It looks like he's going to play anyway. Okay. Is the point. So I don't care. I like the Bills. I said back in December the Bills are going to win the Super Bowl. I just feel like it's been their year, and I just kind of like how I felt about the 2017 Eagles. I think just the energy they play with, like that's I know that that could be like very anecdotal, but I think they're just going to want it more than the Chiefs do. Um, and I think they really can pull this off. And I think the Bills haven't even played their best football in the playoffs yet. And I think that's a good thing in the sense of, like, I think they're, the best is still yet to come for them. So I'm going to take Buffalo outright this week. I like Buffalo a little better in the trenches. Um, the thing that I think Buffalo has going for them is their secondary can match the Chiefs' speed offensively. Um, and a lot of teams can't like you just see the, the chiefs carving teams up that just can't handle their speed. And I think the Buffalo secondary is just really good. Like those safeties are great. Uh, Tredavious white is obviously one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL. Uh, so they're, they're as well equipped to handle an offense uh, like Kansas city as any other team in the league. I don't know that I can take anyone other than the chiefs though. Cause they're just so good. Um, Sean McDermott revenge game, Jimmy. This is him, you know, getting his revenge for for getting fired. These are the two best teams in the league. Like this is the Super Bowl, in my opinion. Eh, maybe not. Well, I mean, they're the two best teams in the league. But like, I think the Bucks and Packers are also legit. It's not like uh, you know whoever makes it out of that game is going to be like some loser team that has no chance in the Super Bowl. But I think. Well, how about are- this? How about this for a take, Jimmy? I always feel like the championship weekend is often better than the Super Bowl. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I hate the Super Bowl most times. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, normally there's like a team that I don't like that's in there, so that's probably what it is. And usually it's the Patriots, and the, you know, that's why. So, uh, but yeah, uh, I think that uh, I'll go Chiefs. I'm go- yeah. I'll go Chalk. I'm just going to go Chiefs. All right. So any other final thoughts before we wrap this bad boy up? Yes, we have a new president. Uh, as of today, we're recording this on, like you said earlier, Wednesday, uh, January 20th. And I won't, uh, uh, you know, say anything harsh about the outgoing president, but, uh, I am excited to not care as much about the president anymore. That'll be nice to just not have that constantly, uh, in my face and, uh, don't have to worry necessarily about, um, bad things happening <laughs> like but uh i am i am hopeful uh for the future and uh i am excited that we may have uh more um uh i guess attention being paid to the coronavirus and hopefully soon we can go out and uh you know interact with people again which would be nice jimmy and eagle sam has the nuclear codes so, <laughs> yeah, that's concerning too, I suppose. Um, this, that, this has been BGN Radio episode 175, 165. 65, doesn't matter. Um, I've been Brandon Lee Gowton. Follow me on Twitter at Brandon Gowton. Follow Jimmy Kemsky on Twitter at Jimmy Kemsky. Check us out at Bleeding Green Nation and Philly Voice. Subscribe, rate, review, download, all that good stuff. Check out Right This Felon by going to rightthisfelon.com using discount code BGN15. Check out the SB Nation NFL show. We're almost to 100 ratings and reviews on there, so it would be nice if you could help us get to that mark. I'd really appreciate that. Leave a rating and review on that feed. Subscribe, all that good stuff. And we'll have more updates for you here when the Eagles do stuff, which I don't know. We'll see when it is. I think Benjamin Solak might be putting out a Solak and Solak show this week or coming soon, Mm -hmm. so that'll be interesting on the Eagles at Coaching Candidates. So 
uh, subscribe. I know. Oh, and I also know uh, John Solness will be interviewing a special guest this week for Eye on the Enemy. So check that all out. And we will talk to you next time here on BGN Radio. Goodbye, everybody. BGN.